Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, review of the recent Smarter Milking event by Mr Mark Tracy, Chagas B&T Dairy Advisor, Clonakilty Agricultural College. Dairy Gold reseeding event taking place on 23rd of July. Grassland specialist Mr James Burke Dairy Gold has details. Dairy Gold confirms June milk price. Our top story. Mr Paul Mooney, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, told the farm programme there is an important role for Commissioner Phil Hogan to play as the EU beef crisis deepens. Johnny, he does have a role to play. He's previously given assurances and reassurances that in the event of market disturbance from Brexit or from Mercosur or from other events, that there are steps that he and the European Commission can take uh, to to support the EU beef market. And I suppose the point now being made by IFA is that we are in one of those times now because prices here are heading for either at a five-year low now across the different categories of animals and, and uh, EU beef markets uh, you know, across elsewhere in the EU in the EU are depressed as well. So the IFA is saying now is the time you've given commitments before, now is the time to deliver. Commissioner Phil Hogan, he has welcomed the Mercosur deal as a great achievement in the greater interests of the 28 member states. So... Well, John, what, what IFA President Joe Healy said this week in Strasbourg, where he was meeting MEPs on this issue, was that the EU were too generous in the offers that it made that led to this deal being struck with the Mercosur countries. And uh, that, that uh, more specifically, that you know, Irish agriculture, Irish farming, the Irish beef sector in particular, and the EU beef sector really, uh, is being sacrificed for gains in other sectors. And a, a key point, a key point that IFA and, and other farm bodies here will, and, and farmers know this well, your listeners, a key point they would all make is that uh, while there might be gains for certain regions where manufacturing of technology is strong, and that might include Dublin, for example, here, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and other key areas across Europe, and there will be gains, say, for example, where manufacturing of computers and cars uh, is carried out and is, is, is uh, are strong industries. Equally, there will be losses, and the pro- you know, it's that unequal kind of uh, sharing out. And farm families who are struggling at the moment to make any kind of a living from farming beef, for example, they'll just lose for this, and uh, because of Mercosur, if if, if uh, large quantities of, of cheaper beef is allowed in. Uh, for, you know, from South American countries, and they, they'll see little. The point is, they'll see little in the way of gain out in rural areas where really we're relying on things like bee farming, suckler farming, other kinds of farming, tourism, and fishing. There's not an awful lot else going on, and that's the problem. Uh, the negatives are felt in specific areas, and the gains from these trade deals, it seems so far that they're they're benefiting other areas, other people in other areas. You know, and all kinds of 
problems and challenges for society and downsides as a result of that. I don't think farmers or the farm bodies are against trade deals. They're not against a deal with Merxer, but they just regard this one as being unbalanced. If Commissioner Fred Hogan is seen as taking a tough stance against uh, Irish farming interests and uh, pushing the Mercosur deal as a very good deal overall for the European Union, this might enhance his prospects of becoming perhaps a trade commissioner or deputy trade commissioner. He's got to think of his own career and if he promotes this uh, Mercosur global trade deal and if Irish farmers uh, think they lose out, well, too bad. His tough stance against Irish farmers would be in his favour when it comes to appointing him as the top trade man. Well, I've no doubt that if he had managed to do a Merxer trade deal that uh, uh, gave the benefits on, on technology and hard, heavy manufacturing, but as well managed to protect, uh, you know, to, to enhance our dairy exports and managed to protect our beef sector, he'd be even more highly regarded and praised for what he has done. Uh, based on the deal that we're looking at now there from from uh, from a week ago there, uh, maybe he will be kind of uh, praised by, by some by some specialists and purists in the on the trade sector across the, the European Union and EU member states, but uh, he won't win the thanks uh, at home of Irish farmers, certainly, if if uh, this Merxer trade deal, as feared, uh, does turn out to be damaging to the Irish beef, beef and sucker sector. In your article in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, July 20th, Saturday, July 20th, you point out that quite a substantial amount of beef has been imported from South America up to April of 2019. I think you have some figures there for that one, Paul. Yes, I think up to April it's around 85,000 tonnes uh, of South American beef, and that's running at around 22,000 tonnes. You know, over last year and this year, it's running at around, I think, averaging about 22,000 tonnes per month. Uh, so it's a very... The very substantial imports already, of course, which are due to get uh, larger then after Mercer deal comes into effect, John, you know. So what I say, I mean, what Joe Healy this week would be calling for is for uh, the EU Commission and Commissioner Phil Hogan in particular, you know, to press the red button that they've previously talked about uh, having to, to do in the event of market disturbance. Because what I are saying is that there is market disturbance now. Here, here prices are heading for a five-year low. Prices are kind of depressed. Uh, in other EU member states as well. Uh, we know the reasons why there's a terrible shock effect there from Brexit. Apparently, um, we, we now understand that UK farmers are moving ahead of a feared or uh, feared hard Brexit at the end of October, and they are finishing and selling cattle earlier than maybe they would otherwise, and that's just moving product forward onto the market, and uh, it's, it's causing maybe too much supply in market. That's depressing prices, that uh, and, and Brexit probably is having a wider effect than just in these islands in terms of in terms of. Um, um, the meat sector, uh, and also the, the the sheer announcement of the Mercer deal there itself uh, would also be having pr- probably just an effect on confidence across the meat market as well, even at this early stage, long before it comes into effect. Looking at the origins of CAP, a common agricultural policy, that was brought in after World War II to guarantee food supplies for Europe. But if we are finding ourselves drifting towards areas of production like uh, taking beef and meat from South America, grain potentially from North America and the Ukraine, vegetables from as far away as South America, Chile, Cyprus, etc., potatoes. 
if we are to rely on globalisation of food sources, isn't there a risk running concurrently with the climate situation if there's drastic climate change and those global sources, those concentrated global sources, be it South America, North America, isn't there a chance that Europe, in fact, could very easily face famine if it's not able anymore to produce food for itself, to feed itself and have more than enough food available? It's a very, very innocent point, John. You know, as as, uh, supply of markets and distribution becomes longer and more complicated, uh, you know, there's no doubt that there is a a kind of a corresponding decrease in food food security. Um, We won't wish that on any of us, if you know what I'm saying, Uh, um, Europe or anywhere else, Ireland for that matter um, but but it has to be an issue and, and certainly you know the issues that you've covered in detail before John, climate change and carbon mitigation, uh, they are only going to become bigger over coming years and uh, the whole the whole question of um, maybe Europe reducing the amount uh, of, of food that it produces in, a ver- in an environmentally friendly manner here in Europe uh, uh, in order to import more food from, uh, you know, other continents where it might not be produced in the same environmentally friendly manner. You know, the illogic of that, I, I could see coming under question more and more in two, three, four, five years' time as, as the whole uh, climate change abatement, you know, ramps up. What can individual beef farmers do to safeguard their sector, safeguard their livelihoods and guarantee top quality meat initially for our own consumption and then for export? There's very little the individual farmer can do to control prices uh, at the selling end, John, obviously. Um, and, you know, farmers want to keep producing beef. They're producing it to very high standards here, and they, they want to keep doing that. It's what they're, they're trained to do. They know how to do it, and they love doing it. Um, and But the problem is there's very little. Farmers are enterprising. They're looking around all the time. There's farmers near me, you know, producing meat, uh, including pig meat there, for example, in my local shop under, under new brands, uh, you know, the farmers are willing to try things, but there's very little uh, they can do uh, to control uh, the, the market selling selling point. And they're seeing their decrease of retail price, for example, as you well know, decreasing all the time. Uh, so, and that's why, that's why, you know, the call is made this week for... Um, the EU Commission and Commissioner Hogan uh, just to uh, call call a halt to uh, South American beef imports while the EU beef market is disturbed. What's the red button Commissioner Hogan can press SAP? Uh, well, uh, what Joe Healy is saying is that the Commission does have powers there to, you know, to step in and reduce imports into the community of beef when the internal market is uh, disturbed by events, uh, by, by ongoing events, such as we're seeing happening now with Brexit, for example. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Paul Mooney, News Correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Paul, very much indeed. The major Dairy Gold reseeding event is now just a couple of days away, Tuesday 23rd of July. Welcome, Mr James Burke, Grassland Specialist, Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Dairy Gold are holding a reseeding event this coming Tuesday, the 23rd of July from 11 to 1pm. It'll be held on the farm of Sean Reedy, Meadstown, Kildare, County Cork. His postcode P67PN26. What the event will focus on is how to maximise the value on your investment in receding. So uh, the speakers on the day, uh, the first speaker will be Michael Casey of Monsanto. And he will talk about the best practices for using Roundup when burning off for receding 
So application rates and timings for cutting and grazing and so on. Uh, so the second uh, speaker on the day will be Pat Cashman of Goldcrop, and he will give us an overview of the steps needed to create optimal conditions for germination in the seedbed. Now, I understand that the Dairy Gold Technical Manager, Mr. Liam Stack, he will also be contributing on this day. He will indeed. Uh, so, Liam will outline the four different grass seed mixtures we offer as part of our Dairy Gold Gold Assure grass seed range. Finally, Chris Mahan from Wheelhand Crop Protection will round off the story of receding by telling us the value of spraying the newly sown seeds for weeds and he will also make some recommendations for certain situations on the day. Please remind our listeners which event we're talking about and when and where it's being held. It's a Dairy Gold Recede event this coming Tuesday the 23rd of July from 11 to 1pm and it'll be held on the farm of Sean Reedy Meadstown, Kildallery uh, and his air code is P67PN26. Now, usually at these events, uh, Dairy Gold, you have special offers. Are there any particular special offers that people should be aware of to make it extra attractive, quite apart from the fact that this, I understand, will be a KT knowledge transfer, KT approved event? It, it is indeed, John. It's a knowledge transfer approved event. We're delighted as well that there's quite a number of special offers on the day. So, Goldcrop, who will be talking at the event, are offering one free bag with every tin bags of the number one, the Dairy Gold number one grazing mixture purchased on the day. And as well as that, True North Technologies, who retail the Grasshopper plate meter, will also be offering 25% off each unit sold on the day. As well as that, we have a few spot prizes as well. So there's tin bags of grass seed will be raffled off on the day, as well as a few cans of chemicals such as Roundup and uh, Envy and Pasture Trio, which would be for your new sown lays. And as well as that, there is also a barbecue on the day after the event. Speaking to Mr James Burke, Dairy Gold Grassland Specialist, Dairy Gold Agribusiness could you please remind our listeners if you have a phone number or if someone listening would like to discuss their own particular needs or arrange a visit of a salesperson, have you a phone number or a phone contact you'd like to give out, James? I do indeed. So I, I can be contacted there on 086-793-8408 and I can chat to you about uh, your burn-off process, selecting the right grass seed mixture for your situation and I can also walk uh, your newly sown uh, reseed and give you a recommendation on what to spray it for weeds. My number is 086-793-8408 and I can talk you through the burn-off process, select, uh, help you select the correct grass seed mixture for your situation, and I can also uh, call out your farm and walk your receding and give you a recommendation on what chemical will control the weeds best. So it's the Dairy Gold receding event, which is knowledge transfer approved, just to get that in, and uh, it'll be held on the farm of Sean Reedy, Meadstown, Kildallery, um, and his air code is P67PN26 
and it'll be on Tuesday the 23rd of July from 11 to 1pm and it'll focus on maximising the value of your receding investment. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. James Burke, Dairy Gold, Grassland Specialist, Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Thanks, James, very much indeed. Thanks, John. Dairy Gold confirms that its base price for June milk supplies, based on standard constituents of 3.3% protein and 3.6% butterfat, inclusive of VAT and bonuses, is 30.69 cents a litre, unchanged on the May milk price. This equates to a farm gate milk price of 33.18 cents per litre, based on average June milk solids for all Dairy Gold milk suppliers. Over recent weeks, dairy market returns have weakened considerably. The June milk price is not reflective of these weakened returns. The Dairy Gold board say they'll continue to closely monitor the market performance. And that statement from Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, our sponsor, dated Wednesday 17th of July 2019. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine has announced that interim nitrogen and phosphorus statements, NNP statements, for the period January to May 2019 are now available on the Department's online system, www.agfood.ie. These statements, the Department says, are particularly useful to allow farmers to plan for the remainder of the year in order to ensure compliance with the limits of the EU nitrates regulations, thus avoiding penalties for breaching the limits of 170 kgs of nitrogen per hectare or the limit for those above who hold an approved derogation being 250 kgs of nitrogen per hectare. Farmers not already registered for ag food can do so by logging on to www.agfood.ie. IFA Environment Chairman Thomas Cooney has called on the government to ensure that the soon-to-be-published recommendations from the Nitrates Derogation Review support the sustainable development of the sector. Thomas Cooney said the recommendations of the expert group established by the Department of Agriculture cannot be just about more restrictions. He said the IFA had presented a robust package of proposals, all part of a sustainability development programme which must be supported by the government. IFA National Dairy Committee Chairman Tom Phelan said that as the IFA President Joe Ely had said last week, it was wrong of the Agriculture Minister Mr Creed to exclude prime beef cattle from dairy farmers from the BEAM scheme and this should be changed immediately. He said the IFA President has spoken to Minister Creed about this and the IFA had also lobbied other Cabinet members on the issue. Mr Phelan said he would add that it's discriminatory as well as being unfair and, to the best of his knowledge, unprecedented. He said Minister Creed should review the scheme so that all dairy farmers be treated the same as other farmers, bearing in mind that farmers involved in other commodities or professions are eligible in the current draft. He said the scheme was meant for the genuine farmers who had lost money producing beef because of Brexit. Dairy farmers producing beef cattle had lost money on these animals during the reference period and they should be included. Mr Phelan contended that quite apart from the unfairness allegedly displayed by the Minister towards an entire farming sector, the dairy sector, he was also concerned that this would set a very dangerous precedent that anyone who genuinely cares about the sustainable development of Irish agriculture should avoid at all costs.
Proposals outlined under the Beef Emergency Aid Measure, BEAM, will see reduction in stock numbers allegedly, according to INHFA, the Irish Natura and Hill Farmers Association. The scheme, according to National President Colm O'Donnell, is seeking a 5% reduction in organic nitrogen over two years, which he said was a clear requirement for a reduction in stock numbers. The fact that this requirement is across the board will mean that many farmers with low stocking rates will also be expected to reduce numbers, which is unacceptable to INHFA. Mr O'Donnell said the INHFA view is that if stocking rates are to be reduced, then this reduction should apply to those with high stocking rates, with the obvious starting point being those requiring nitrate derogation or those currently exporting slurry. Mr O'Donnell said the added complication is for Comlich farmers currently required to carry a minimum stocking rate as part of their glass plan. There is a clear contradiction he contended here that needs to be addressed, which is a point which the IHFA had raised directly with Minister Creed, in addition to the requirement for a top-up payment on the first 10 cows to ensure full uptake and spend of the €35 million for the suckler sector. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. No fewer than 10 Olympic riders, including double gold medalist New Zealander Mark Todd, along with the current world's number one, Tim Price, also from New Zealand, will be gathering at Campfire County Waterford for the SEMA Lease Campfire International Horse Trials and Country Fair, taking place next weekend, Friday 26th, Saturday 27th and Sunday 28th of July. Spectators will have the opportunity of watching some of the world's top event riders from 16 different nations as they complete the dressage, cross-country and show-jumping phases of the competition over the three days. The cross-country phase alone covers almost six kilometres and includes some 40 fences demanding a mix of precision riding over narrow obstacles and brave jumping over enormous solid timbers and into spectacular water courses. Mr. Paul Brady is events director and he also designed the cross-country course. Paul, welcome to the programme. First of all, the location of the Camfire International Horse Trials in Waterford and your own role. Yes, I'm the event director and I also designed the cross-country courses uh, for the event. 
it's located on the Blackwater River. It's actually where the Blackwater meets the River Bride. We're about five miles from Capoquin, Tallow and Lismore, uh, or perhaps about 20 minutes from Yall, Yall Bridge. Uh, so it's in a lovely uh, country setting on the Campfire Estate. This year we're hosting um, a Nations Cup, and that is um, there's a Nations Cup series in Europe, and we're one of the events hosting it. Now, the nation that gets the most points in that series will qualify for the Tokyo Olympics because it's an Olympic sport. Um, Ireland has already qualified, but there will be uh, you know, several teams from Italy, Switzerland, Sweden, uh, amongst several others that are coming uh, on that hunt for a place in the Tokyo Olympics. We'll have 16 nations. There are three phases to the eventing. So there's dressage, show jumping and cross country. Saturday the 27th, we have the Nations Cup cross country, which is the four star. That's the biggest cross country course. But there's also cross country Sunday. And onto the main arena, we will have the show jumping for the Nations Cup. The main arena is surrounded by a lovely tented village with lots of stalls and food stalls, etc. So it's a lovely setting to watch the show jumping and there'll also be cross-country and other levels going on at the same time. In the Irish leg of the FEI Eventing Nations Cup, four very prominent nations are competing. I understand Italy, Netherlands, Sweden and Switzerland. Yeah, we have the Italians and the Swedish and the Belgian and the Swiss teams coming. Uh, They're all, you know, on the hunt for a place for the Tokyo Olympics. The Irish team qualified last year at the World Equestrian Games in America, but they will also be competing here at Campfire this year in the Nations Cup. I suppose it gives them practice for, you know, championships. Uh, So we've the top Irish riders, Cahill Daniels, who won here last year and who was on that WEG team, will be competing this year as well as people like Sarah Ennis and Sam Watson. Also competing Kazumu Tomoto from Japan and Alex Swachan from China, plus New Zealanders. One of the New Zealand riders is a very famous rider called Sir Mark Todd. Uh, Mark Todd has competed in several Olympics and he's a very famous um, event rider. It's his first time coming to Campfire, so we're delighted to have him here. Kazumu was here also last year, actually, and Alex Hoi Tien from China, so... They are coming here as well this year. They're, they're competing at the top level at the moment. Speaking to Mr Paul Brady, events director and designer of the cross-country courses at the Campfire International Horse Trials, taking place on Friday 26th, Saturday 27th and Sunday 28th of July. They're located in Waterford, but Paul, for listeners in the Cork area, will say in relation to the town of Yall. Could you give us directions from the town of Yall to the Campfire International Horse Trials? Well, on the Yall Bypass, you have the roundabout. Uh, you can either take the road towards Tallow, and it will be signposted from Tallow, or if you go on to Yall Bridge, just past that roundabout, uh, there is a road that follows the River Blackwater in the direction of Capoquin, Tallow Capoquin. So it will be signposted from there. There are other attractions in addition to the Campfire International Horse Trials. Yes, we have lots 
going on and because we also have a country fair so in our tented village there are lots of exhibitors and we have you know stalls with fashion crafts clothing there are kids activities there are birds of prey there's climbing walls bouncy castles uh, that sort of thing and on sunday we will have the gain pet nutrition dog show which is always very popular it starts at 2 p.m and it's a novelty uh, dog show so all sorts can enter into that and as I said it, it's, it's uh, quite a spectacle in itself and this year uh, they're partnering with My Canine Companion, that's the charity that the uh, proceeds will go to. So we've got things like the uh, best rescue dog the most handsome dog, the prettiest bitch, all that sort of thing. This year we're charging per person so it's 15 euros for an adult um, they can book online at www campfirehorsetrials.com and it's 12 euros if you book online so there's a saving there um, interestingly we also actually have Blackwater Eco Tours are doing boat trips from Villiers Town which is just across from Campfire we'll bring people across to the event from there um, and they'll also do you know trips on the river because we have a pontoon here just alongside the house so uh, lots going on lots to see for further details and tickets for the Campfire International Horse Trials taking place from Friday 26th of July through to Sunday 28th inclusive, that's Friday, Saturday and Sunday 26th, 27th and 28th of July. Further information from www.camphirehorsetrials.com and the location is at P51H5P2. Campfire is located about 10 minutes from Capoquin, this more in Tallow, and about 20 minutes from Yall. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. There's been a call for urgent changes to be made to the farm labour permit scheme for skilled workers coming from outside the European Union and the EEA. IFA President Joe Healy has called on Minister for Business, Enterprise and Innovation, Ms Heather Humphreys, and Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Mr Michael Creed, to move immediately to make changes to the pilot employment permit scheme, which will address the rapidly worsening labour and skills shortages for dairy, horticulture, pigs and poultry farms. In a statement on Tuesday 16th of July, Mr Healy said that the IFA had already made strong and detailed business cases for changes in the last six weeks in sector-specific submissions to the Departments of Agriculture and Enterprise. Mr Healy said farmers need 200 extra permits for dairy, 125 for pigs and poultry and some amendments to ensure the scheme is fit for purpose for the various sectors, including the highly seasonal demands of horticulture. He went on to say that the IFA submits to the review for the recruitment of workers from outside the EU-EEA twice a year, every year. Though the country is now at full employment, farm workers continue to be considered ineligible in the system. After strong evidence had been put forward by the sector's stakeholders of the rapidly worsening challenges of recruiting within the Irish and EU stroke EEA labour markets, Minister Humphreys recognised the validity of the arguments of the IFA and the sector and in June last year opened a pilot scheme to make available 50 dairy assistant and 500 horticulture worker permits. 
the pig and poultry farming sectors inexplicably had been left out apparently, while the meat processing sector was initially allocated 250 permits, now increased to 1,500 with more to come. The statement said all 50 dairy assistant permits had now been taken up and a number of dairy farm employers had applications in the system based on identified workers who simply wouldn't wait around. The statement said more prospective dairy farm employers would also apply to secure their labour needs well ahead of next spring's busiest season. Poultry and pig farmers, whose sectors were expanding, reflecting increased domestic consumption and market opportunities in China and Japan, need to be able to avail of their own quota of permits. Finally, farm labourers in the horticulture sector need amendments to the scheme for it to better fit their particular highly seasonal mix of skilled and unskilled positions. The IFA statement concluded by saying that Ministers Humphreys and Creed showed their understanding of agriculture's labour shortages when pilot schemes were brought in last year. They must now show greater urgency in actually delivering the additional work permits that farmers are crying out for. And that statement from the IFA dated Tuesday, 16th of July 2019. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Mr. Mark Tracy, B&T Dairy Advisor with Chagask Advisory Services, Agricultural College, Clonakilty in County Cork, in the west of the county, of course. Mark, welcome to the programme. Now, before we talk about matters in general, could you please remind our listeners about at least one upcoming event which you'd like to advertise? Yes, John. So, uh, just to make people aware that there is... Um Aboard the uh, Chagas uh, Farm Walk coming up in Clannacilty Agricultural College um, on the 24th of July at 2pm. And the focus of this talk will be about uh, the Board Bia Quality Assurance and Origin Green. And I suppose how to avoid uh, non-compliances in your, your audits and that sort of thing. And just for anyone involved in the KT scheme with the Department of Agriculture... This event is registered for both beef and sheep participants. So the, uh, the venue is Clannacilty Agricultural College in Clannacilty and the date is the 24th of July and the time is 2pm. That's great. Coming now to our main topic of conversation, the recent Smarter Milk event, which was held in Clonley last week. What were some of the key messages from the Smarter Milking event well, I suppose the key thing that stood out for me at the, the walk was um, how much of a, a dairy farmer's annual workload is actually made up of milking time. And like a recent survey there by John Upton found that 33% of the annual workload on a dairy farm is actually um, milking process. So I suppose it's an area that it's well worth focusing on improving efficiency because Cow numbers have increased an awful lot on farms in recent years. Milk volumes are also up. Um, and often facilities haven't um, kind of kept pace with, with the increase in, in demand. Um, like really, we'd be aiming for a maximum of three hours milking per day. And there were many farms in, in that recent survey that were milking for significantly longer than that. Um, like I suppose... It's worth bearing in mind that small changes can have quite significant time savings. Like if you take the example of a 60-cow dairy herd, so a kind of a moderate-sized herd by today's standards, milking a 12-unit parlor, which would be considered quite a decent-sized parlor for that herd, if that farmer could save five seconds per cow in his, his routine, 
that would add up to um, a minute saved per row or five minutes saved for every milking, which then multiplies up to 10 minutes per day or over 70 minutes per week. Like, I suppose nothing that stood out from that survey of the, the 33 commercial farms was that while farmers tended to start milking um, in quite a, a tight kind of time window in, in the mornings, there was a huge variation in when farmers actually started the milking um, process in the evening. And that is a huge knock-on effect of what time their working day ended. Um, 11% of the farmers actually started milking after 7pm. And what surprised me was over 5% of the farmers hadn't finished milking at 10.30 in the evening. So like that wasn't really leaving too much time for, for family time. If you can start the milking process earlier in the day, at least then you have the option of working later on again if you want, spreading fertilizer or topping, or you can spend time with family or go to the local match or that kind of thing. And of course, in any profession at all, when you go against the nature clock, when you go against the clock of nature or biological clock, well, then you have a chain reaction. You're going to go to bed late. You'll miss that uh, deep sleep. You'll be more exhausted and more likely, unfortunately, to suffer some type of accident. Yeah, and I suppose safety has to be kind of top of our agenda all the time on on farms. So certainly that's an important point to bear in mind. There is something else which farmers could share with typists or people who have any type of a job related to repetitive activity, the so-called RSI, repetitive strain injury that can be caused by perhaps a typing or milking. So regarding the RSI, do you think that imparted any message to people and do you feel there are a number of farmers who have carpal tunnel or this RSI affliction? Yeah, like certainly this was something that actually came up in, in the walk um, last week. Um, like that health issues must be kind of in the back of a farmer's mind when he's doing his daily routine and how he goes about it. Like obviously good parlour design is vital. So simple things like having the pit at the correct depth when you're designing your parlour so, so that the operator isn't always bending over or having to overreach. Um, another simple thing is having rubber matting on the pit floor because you are actually doing quite a bit of walking during the milking process. Uh, so like a bit of space needs to be left for that when you when you are doing your, your pit depth. Um, but I suppose the biggest thing that was stressed on the day was the actual process of how you put the cluster on the cow um, needs to be done in a certain way so that you don't end up overusing one side of your body. Um, and what I mean by that is that we alternate which hand we hold the clusters in as we move from one side of the parlour to the other. Um, for like, I suppose for some of the, the say the three foot centre parlours, you were nearly forced to do this. But as we as we move to rotary parlours or two foot two centre parlours, it is actually possible to move the cows holding the cluster in the same hand all, all evening. And that's not good for you. So what we'd be recommending is that the hand closest to the front of the pit should hold the cluster and the other hand should be used for putting on the um, on the actual the cups. And then obviously when you move to the other side, the hands will, will rotate. And the benefits of SOPs, this was on the agenda at the Smarter Milking event held in Clonley recently. Standard operating procedures or SOPs are very much part of um, how... Most industries operate. If you think of your, your getting a job in a pharmaceutical factory and that, 
there's very, very, um, I suppose, thorough guidelines on how the process is to be carried out, and it's a requirement of the job that you follow it. It's something that probably hasn't become commonplace on dairy farms yet. Um, I suppose it's the case where we have a lot of operators who they they milk the cows themselves all the time. There isn't anyone else coming into the pit. We have a lot of units where it's family labour there and they all kind of know what should be done. But I'd encourage every dairy farmer to develop the standard operating procedure for their, their parlour. Um, it becomes vitally important once you start hiring labour, be it casual labour, milking the cows once a week in the evening or once a month, or if you're bringing in uh, full-time labour. Because what it allows is it, um, it allows everyone see how the process should be done and then everyone does it the same way. So that's very important for the cows because cows like routine, but it also is a great help in trying to get quality consistent um, in, in that manner. So I would suggest the standard operating procedure should be developed, write down how you want your cows milked. Um, ideally, this should be laminated and left in the dairy that it's there for anyone to, to pick up and look at. It should be given to any new operators and let them read it and see how the cows are to milk on your farm. But also the fact that it will be left in the dairy, it's there as a reference guide if the relief milker runs into a spot of bother and he, he, he's not sure why the machine isn't functioning as he would have expected or whatever. He can just check to see what way switches should be, that kind of thing. Um, I suppose it becomes an absolutely priceless document for the day that you can't be in the parlour unexpectedly through it ill health or maybe you you might ha have some family member who who needs to be taken somewhere and you just can't be there at least if there's a standard operating procedure there inside the dairy someone can pick up that and work out how to get through the milking process and at least that job is done thank you very much indeed mr mark tracy bnt dairy advisor chagask advisory services Agricultural College, Clonakilty, County Cork. And the rest of that interview with Mr Mark Tracy we'll be carrying in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme scheduled for this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot and Controls. And as always, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend and a podcast of our programme available at www.c103.ie homepage. Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service, and support you can trust. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.